Good morning. If you would uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. It is this week that we will conclude our walk through the hall of faith, looking at the great saints of old, the people of God who were commended for their faith. And again, our text is Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. This is the Word of God. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens, and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you this morning recognizing life's not always easy, and yet you want to speak to us in it. You call us to faith. Would you open our eyes to see you this morning? Open our hearts to believe and love you this morning. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As many of you know, I served in Uganda, and one of the things I did was I taught classes And one of the classes I taught was on church planting. And I taught them, you know, we looked at different things in Scripture. And one of the things I asked them was, how many of you would love to have the ministry of Paul? And they all like, yeah, yeah. And this is good, right? They all want the ministry of Paul because that means that they want to go out and plant churches, proclaim the gospel to the nations, See people come to Christ, see lives transformed. Wonderful. I'm so proud of them. This is good that they want that. And Paul was a pretty successful missionary. And then I asked them, I read them this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I read this. This is Paul recounting uh, his ministry to the Corinthians. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. 
with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And then I asked them, how many of you want the ministry of Paul? Not a hand went up. Not a hand went up. They wanted the victories of Paul. They wanted the ministry successes of Paul without being willing to endure through perseverance. And I can't blame them. I don't want that list of things happening to me. I'm not, I'm not faulting them. But it's an interesting thing because our passage is about the victory in the name of God but also about suffering for the name of God. You see, our, in our passage, the, the original audience was seeking to avoid the hard things. They were facing torment, um, persecution for their faith. Why, if Jesus is so great, why is this happening to us right now? The author in 1039 says this, that they are tempted to shrink back. To shrink back. They wanted to maybe return to Judaism. They thought by returning to Judaism, they would avoid the suffering. They would avoid the heartache, the persecution. And our author is telling them, it's never been that way and it never will be that way. If you want to live for God... This is what you get, victory and suffering. But I'll tell you today, especially in America, we are tempted, like them, to shrink back and avoid suffering, seeking only for the victories. We are tempted to pursue things which bring us our own victory. Think money, status, success, uh, health, Wealth, and not victories in the name of God. But if our text doesn't want us to shrink back, then what does our text ask us to do? What is it commanding us to do? And it's we are to have faith. We are to be those who have faith. Which is what the whole of chapter 11 is about. Showing us all the people of God who have had faith. In the good times and in the bad. Which is an encouragement to the original audience. And by extension to us. That we are to live today in faith. We are to live today in faith. Now why does God commend faith? Well, God commends faith because faith conquers in victory. Faith conquers in victory. Look at. Verses 32 through 35a. So that's half of 35. 
And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Hang on. So, by the way, what more shall I say for time? That's why many people think this is a sermon. It started as a sermon and not necessarily as a letter. Because he's using words like, I'm speaking to you, I say to you, I don't have enough time. And not like, um, I'm writing to you, I don't have enough to write, I don't have enough space to write. So, um, and if I get hurried at the end, I'll, I'll, that's how I'll end. And what more shall I say? For a while, time does not have to tell, you know, we're running out of time. But it's a sermon. And we see that here, in this first half, God is using these men and women to conquer in victory. We see Gideon, who defeated Midian with his 300 men. How? By faith. Barak and Deborah, they defeated Sisera by faith. Samson, he defeated the Philistines. Jephthah led Israel against the Ammonites. David won many victories for Israel and was the king of Israel. And we see Samuel, who was a prophet, and stands at the head of the prophets. David, for his part, also enforced or established justice. We read in 2 Samuel 8.15, So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and equity to all his people. You see, David's faith led him to action, to uh, administer justice, or in this text, enforced justice on behalf of God for God's people. And many of these obtained promises but not the promise. They won victories, but not the final victory. And we can see that some stopped the mouths of lions, which is most likely a reference to Daniel in the lion's den when he refused to stop worshiping God. And they threw him in the lion's den. But the lion's mouths were shut. They did not eat him. Some quenched the power of fire, which most likely refers to Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, when they refused to uh, worship false gods, were thrown into the fire, and they came out with their clothes not singed at all. Some women received back their dead. Elijah and Elisha each raised a young child back from the dead. Or God used them. How? By faith. And these are all great victories of the people of God by faith. And let's make some observations about this list that we see here. It's a great list. I would love this to be true of my own life, doing great things for God. But first, this list in 32 through 35a, these are generally events and victories that are in furtherance of God's redemptive plan to send His Son into this world to redeem a people for Himself. 
They're against the enemies of God's people and not necessarily personal enemies. None of this is because David, Jephthah, Samson, Samuel are good enough, strong enough, smart enough. But rather because they trust God. They have faith. Many of these victories were not final victories. That is, for example, Samson defeated the Philistines. And who does David have to fight in his ministry? The Philistines. So yes, Samson won a great victory, but not the full and final victory. And faith is highlighted in this list because why? The principle of they were made strong out of weakness. Which we see in verse 34. They were made strong out of weakness. Which is the principle here. That It's not saying these guys are so great, but that God is so great. And in their own weakness, and in their own fear, God is still going to use them because they trust, because they have faith in God. We can look at David versus Goliath. That's sort of a big one. You know, most know this. Even my kids know it. But let's look at it from the eyes of David. David viewed this whole thing through the eyes of faith. When he sees Goliath, this giant, out there mocking the armies of God, what does he say? What, what terms does he put it in? He says, this is an uncircumcised Philistine. What's he saying? He's putting it in the context of the covenant of God. That this person has not entered into the covenant of God. And yet, he defies who? The armies of the living God. You see, he sees this through the eyes of faith. Through God's covenant. Not like, I don't like this guy, he's annoying me. This should not stand in the way of God's people doing what God wants. And so he saw that whole event through the eyes of faith. And this text can lead us to say things like, be like Gideon, be like Samson, be like David. Be like David and you can defeat the Goliaths in your life. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Well, this text could lead you to that, but I'm saying it does not. It should not lead us down that road of moralism that if I just do what David did, if I believe enough like David, then all the Goliaths in my life will fall. Well, if the Goliaths in your life are enemies of the people of God, then we can talk. But ultimately what, what, what that is is a moralism. It's a moralism. And part of me wishes, like, if I could just be good enough or if I could just believe enough like David, then yes, I want that. But I'm glad that that's not the way it works. I'm glad it's not a moralism that if I just do what David did, I'll get the results David got. Because I know I'll never be as good as David. Or I'll never really have the faith of David. I can't believe enough. And so yet I get all the reward because I believe in Christ. So I am glad that it's not moralism. Ultimately, because I realize I would never measure up. And again, the principle is that they were made strong out of weakness. Not because of David's righteousness or goodness or 
strength of his faith, but rather out of his weakness he believed. They had faith in God who strengthened them to have victory. So instead we should say, yes, be like David and what? Have faith in the God who sent his son Christ, who has won the victory over the great enemies of the people of God, sin and death. So if we're going to be like David, it's only that we trust in Christ, who, sent by God, won the victory over the giants in our lives. Not that you're going to defeat the giants, but that he has already done it. And we're called to trust him. And this faith, though, should help should encourage, should empower us to seek victories in our life. What kind of victories am I talking about? I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. That that should be in your life. Why? Because Christ has won it and sent His Spirit into your life. We should have the victory of repentance. That you're able to repent for your sins. To repent to others and to God. We should have the victory of being able to be strengthened to forgive others. We have the victory of knowing that God loves us and sent His Son to die for us. And many other blessings, many other things that have already been won for us and for our King Jesus. But also in mission, in taking the gospel to the world, we should seek victories. We should pray to God for victories. We should trust Him with that. We should trust Him with victories in our own families, in our own workplace, in our own hearts, and in all of our lives. But these victories come not because we're good enough, strong enough, smart enough, but because we recognize our own weakness and turn in faith to the strong one who has already won the victory. And faith does conquer in victory, but it also conquers through perseverance. Faith conquers through perseverance. Again, if we were to stop Hebrews 11 and we only had 32 through 35a, we would be tempted to think the Christian life is full of victories and only victories. But this would lead us down the road of the prosperity gospel which states that if you have enough faith, then then it will lead to necessarily victory. But as we will see, verses 35b through 38 uh, put this thought to flight, puts any end to that notion. You see, we see here that a faith that conquers... Through perseverance. It's no less a victory, but it looks different. It's faith, faith that conquers through perseverance in the face of suffering. And this passage just starts out right out this section with, uh, with a bang. Look at verse 35b. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. 
They were tortured, refusing to accept release. Why? Because they had their eyes on the victory already promised by God. Now, many think this is a reference to the Maccabees, which uh, in First and Second Maccabees we read about the revolt, but in Second Maccabees 7 we read about the seven brothers and a mother who were captured and one by one tortured and they refused to accept their release. And so were. It's not good. If you go read it, um, some of it's pretty graphic to think about. They were captured by uh, the Seleucid king Antiochus Epiphanes. And one of them, while being tortured, said this. And when he was at the last gasp, that is the one being tortured, he said, Thou cursed miscreant. He's talking to his um, torturer. Thou dost dispatch us from this life. That is, you do kill us, you, you get, get us out of this life, but the king of the world shall raise us up and revive us to life everlasting. Amen. You see, they were willing to be tortured because they knew the reward that waited, awaited them. Some of the people of God in this passage received mocking and flogging flogging and imprisonment. Jeremiah was beaten, put in stocks, thrown in prison, and eventually thrown into a cistern. That's Jeremiah the prophet who wrote a big book of the Bible. That's what he endured. Second Chronicles tells us of how the prophet Zechariah was stoned. Church history, or... Church legend or Jewish legend tells us that um, Isaiah was sawn in two. Isaiah, who wrote some of the most amazing passages. That's how they think he died. Some wandered around in less than ideal clothing, being destitute, mistreated, and afflicted. And if you're here this morning, you're new to our church, we're we're glad you're here. This is a great topic for you. And if you're just learning about Christianity, this may uh, not be the best sales pitch. But I'm actually telling you, it is the best sales pitch. Because these people of God knew there was something far more valuable than this world. And they were willing to stake their life on it. And that that valuable thing is available to you this morning. There's something greater than what this world offers. There's a purpose. There's a hope that you cannot find elsewhere. And it's demonstrated by these great saints whom the world is not worthy of. It gives us a perspective of of where we hope in. Not here, but then. We trust God. We have faith that conquers through perseverance. And they were willing to suffer and persevere 
Because they had faith in God, which gave them their proper perspective. And made them sure, as Hebrews 11, 1 says, they were sure that there is a better life. There is a better resurrection awaiting them. And they knew that this better reward was available to them. And it's better than anything this world can give. Jim and Elizabeth Elliot are missionaries who in the 50s went to evangelize the Hurani people of Ecuador. Many of you know their story. And Jim Elliott, and, uh, they had a team. Jim Elliott with the guys went. They flew a plane to, to greet this um, tribe that really no one had ever contacted. They had this long rope with a box on it, and they would fly the plane in big circles, but that made the rope kind of keep still. So they could, the, the tribe could walk up, grab this box, and take a gift out from the missionaries. And then they would put, eventually started putting their own things in as gifts to them. And so eventually they did this enough. That was the only way they could really make contact. Eventually they landed the plane near their shores to greet and get to know these people in order to share the gospel with them so that these people might know the hope that they had. Well, they were, on that very first encounter, uh, killed by this tribe. All the men were killed. And the Time, or not Time, but I think Life magazine wrote a 10-page article about this and their their story. And this is all in the 50s. They were willing... To die for their faith. They didn't expect to die, but they were willing. But I think, and even more, or I don't want to compare them, but it, to me, one of the gr- greatest stories of faith conquering through perseverance is Jim's wife, Elizabeth. Who went to share the gospel, did not give up on that mission, And eventually did share the gospel with the people who murdered and killed her husband and her friends. Now, I know I would never do that. I'm not that strong. But through her faith, she was willing to persevere in sharing the gospel with his people. And they believed and they became Christians. And now those people have a hope. And they have a faith that conquers Jamelia said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I'm going to tell you now, in a broken world that is in need of Jesus, are we willing, as a church, as people, to live by faith, to conquer through perseverance, Are we willing to enter into this broken world with the message of hope? Or are we going to shrink back and guard and keep our own comfort as the most important thing to us? Are we willing to say with all of our lives that even in suffering, Christ is worth it? I'm not saying it's easy. Again, my first thought is to shrink back. 
seek my own comfort. Much like the audience of this letter. But I have to remind myself, we need to be reminded that Christ and His reward are worth it. We will only ever be able to live a faith that conquers through perseverance in the midst of suffering. If we will only be able to do that if we look to the one who suffered for us and by this suffering conquered sin and death on our behalf. We must look to Jesus and the victory He has won, knowing that He will help us to conquer even in the midst of suffering. Faith conquers in victory and faith conquers through perseverance. And, he, and we need to be reminded that faith conquers today. Faith conquers today. Faith is what we are called to today. Look at verses 39 through 40. And all these, that is all these saints, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. And here we have, really, uh, an allusion in verse 40 to the work of Christ. That is, God provided something better for us. What is that? Not the promise of a Messiah, but the actual advent of the Messiah. He has come. He has done His work. And, And apart from us, apart from the readers and the writer here, and by extension, us, these people, in verses 32 and really all of chapter 11, would not reach, would not be, it says made perfect, but made complete, would not be made complete in their faith if it weren't for us. That is, if it weren't for Christ to come and die and call a people to himself and they believe. Because part of the promise was that he will be a light to the nations. So it's an extension of that promise. And that so much as we believe, they, in the Messiah who has come, then their faith has not been in vain. And so thus, this passage calls us to faith in the Messiah today. Not the Messiah who would come, but the Messiah who has come and conquered And our faith is sure that He will come again and bring the long-promised reward of a full and final victory and peace for the people of God. But as we go about our day today, whatever we are facing, we do not know whether God will give us victory in this situation for His name's sake. Or will He call us to conquer through persevering for His name? We don't know. We don't know what the outcome will be in our everyday life. But we do know this. We are called to live in faith in God, in Christ, today. To do as He commands today. And this is faithfulness. 
We can look at uh, three illustrations here, three people from Scripture. One is Peter. Peter was proclaiming the gospel in the book of Acts. He was arrested and thrown in jail. And what happened to him? An angel of the Lord comes, opens the cell doors, and he is miraculously escorted out. And he goes and knocks on the door and... You know, they're like, oh, it's Peter. And they're like, well, open the door for him. Don't make him wait outside. And there he is. He's freed, miraculously. God has given him a victory in this situation. And then you have James, the Apostle James, who proclaimed the gospel in the book of Acts, who was thrown in prison and was killed. Now, why Peter gets his victory and James gets the fun persevering. We don't know. We don't know. They didn't know. They didn't know the outcome. They just knew they were to be faithful today. That is, they were going to proclaim the gospel. The authorities were not going to stop them from doing that because that was what God called them to do. And then we can look at Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who... When the edict went forth that they should not bow down and worship, or they must bow down and worship the idols of Babylon, people spied on them and watched and saw that they did not do it. And so, well, the king had made an edict. They must be thrown into the fire. They made the fire hot. And this is what they said to the king before they were thrown in the fire. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. What are they saying? We believe God can deliver us from this, but if he doesn't, we know this. We are called to faith today. And that faith is not, we're not to bow down to idols or worship the golden image. I know that. Will he save us from the fire or not? I don't know. But I know. Faith calls me to not bow the knee to golden images and to worship other gods. They lived their faith out today. That's all they knew they could do. They don't know the outcome. We don't know the outcome, but we know we're called to faithfulness today. Faith, working itself out in love. And so let us then have our faith strengthened for today that we might conquer in victory or through perseverance, and most likely both. Let us, be, uh, let us seek to be faithful with what we do know. To love God and neighbor. To proclaim the gospel to others. To worship our God. Among many other things. For we know that is what He's called us to today. If this leads to victory in Christ's name, then let us praise Him. If this leads to suffering, then so be it. Our God will raise us up to something better on the last day. And then... Revelation, the book of Revelation, has this. Um, 
Revelation, uh, just so you know, it's not Revelations, but Revelation. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I had to do it. It's one letter to seven churches. One letter to seven churches. Okay? And to every church, Christ says this. To the one who conquers. To the one who conquers. Every church had their challenge of faith. And they were called to conquer by faith. Whatever they were facing, whether it be false teaching or backsliding or persecution. They were called to faith for that very day. And Revelation was written to give them, hey, don't worry. In the end, we win. It's worth it. But listen to the end of Revelation 21.7. Hear this, brothers and sisters. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son or daughter. Do you hear that? That's an old covenant promise that God would be your God and you would be his people or son or daughter. It's given to all who conquer by faith. For today. Let's pray. Oh Lord, would you strengthen our faith? Oh Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Strengthen our faith, strengthen our hearts, strengthen our hands, strengthen our minds. To believe in you. To trust you. Whether in victory or through perseverance. But whatever. Let us today conquer by faith. Lord, we trust that at the end it will all be worth it. For you are the great and mighty God who has sent his son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.